Okay. How's everybody doing? Um, well, you know, just in case, uh, anybody know there was like some problems on 20 this morning? Some people weren't aware of that. Some people were, depending on where you came from. So we started just a couple of minutes late, just FYI. It feels like we're running a little bit behind. That's why we just, we knew there were uh, people waiting in traffic, and so we just gave them a couple extra minutes. If you would, open your Bibles to James chapter 1. I want to thank Jeremy for just leading us in some great worship. Man, I, it was great to be a part of it myself, and I feel like I can preach now. Okay. James chapter 1, we are starting a new series today called Peace Under Pressure. Anybody need that word? Okay, so we're going to take a few weeks, a few swings at this thing, going through the book of James together, and uh, not just exactly verse by verse, but, but kind of thought by thought there, and we'll get our, make our way through the, through the letter together. Let's uh, read the word together. I'm, I'm actually doing 2 through 8, but today I want to read just verse 1 as well. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, open your word to us. Give us uh, learners' hearts today, humble, tender, responsive, underneath you, submitted to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all that he does. Father, bless the reading of your word. Amen. So, um, jumping into this, I really felt like uh, you, there's a couple different ways of coming at James. Um, you can look at it like some nuggets, kind of a modern, uh, well, New Testament version of the Proverbs. Or, you know, there's, I, I want us to see that there's a little bit more depth behind this thing, and so I want to help with a little bit of the background to the book of James. The author is James, that's right, just making sure everybody's tracking with me. It is James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. He led the church in Jerusalem for about 30 years, so he never left. He was right there leading those guys, primarily Jewish background believers, Christians, but Jewish background who had found uh, their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is, this letter is distinctively Jewish in tone, Jewish in nature. And um, so it, it, it kind of feels sometimes like some Proverbs-ish kind of, that's not a word, but you, you know what I'm saying. And so got a proverby kind of, uh, adverb out of proverb. Um, and I'm moving on. I'm just, English majors, help me. Somebody just, yeah. Proverbial, thank you. <laughs> Who said that? Kudos, extra points today. Okay. So, um, yeah, so he's writing to uh, Jewish believers, the 12 tribes, especially scattered, but Christians, but especially like those who are still gathering in synagogues like they were in Jerusalem. You know, gathering in synagogues, but they're believers in Jesus Christ. So all that 
background is going on there. But the big thing that I want us to get today is that salvation in the Jewish mind is something different than kind of how we think about salvation in evangelical America, okay, in the evangelical world. We tend to think of it as a tract, you know, avoid hell, get to heaven, you know, believe on Jesus, and, and all that's totally true. But in the Jewish mind, it's not so much about heaven and hell, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's about the kingdom of God coming here and now. You know, it was about God's reign. It was about the reign of God breaking in. It was about blessing coming to them right in the middle of the, the here and now. In fact, salvation, Jesus only uses the word once, you know, when he's he, himself. Jesus mentions salvation one time, so it's a different kind of concept. It's more about the kingdom. And uh, uh, so one time in the Gospels, salvation from Jesus. Three times in the Gospels, three other mentions of salvation, and it's about Jesus Christ himself that he is salvation. Not that we're going somewhere, but that he is salvation himself. He is that from Zechariah, from Simeon, from John the Baptist, all saying and pointing to Jesus Christ and saying, he is the salvation that we long for. And so in the Jewish mind, this, you know, the, the kingdom, that's why this book, even this letter, feels a little bit reminiscent of the Sermon on the Mount that we talked about last year. It's got that kingdom kind of feel to it and uh, it feels that way it's God's goodness being seen in the land and especially I want you to note this peace the peace of God and when I say peace in the Jewish mind I'm not just talking about no conflict like there's no conflict going on in your life peace in the Jewish mind is going to be more like completeness wholeness shalom is the word that the that the Jews would say shalom and uh, so it's this idea of completeness and wholeness, that deep peace that only God can bring into our lives, that Jesus brings, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, he is our peace, and he makes us complete and whole. And that's what's going on in the background of James when he writes these things and says, do this and do this and do this. But it's all, in the, it's got the background of Jesus has done it all and he wants to bring peace into our lives. We track in there. So it's an amazing word that we need, this peace that God wants to bring to us under pressure because life is filled with pressure. I never cease to be amazed at the stuff that comes up in my own life when I get under pressure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The older you are, the more you know. You face more pressure the older you are. And you, 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 you find yourself more surprised that there's stuff down in there still that's still working its way out. Like, what was that reaction all about? I'll ask myself, what are you afraid of right now? What a great, that's a great question. What are you afraid of? What's making you... like? And again, we talk about this all the time, but whenever you have a, a reaction that doesn't fit the situation, it's probably because there's something else going on down on, in the inside. You know, you're driving along and somebody cuts you off and, and all of a sudden you're, you're, something almost slipped out of your mouth that wouldn't have been quite a blessing. You just wish that blessing was, oh, I bless you in the name of Jesus. After I rest and press and, you know, Yosemite Sam comment, insert there. And so uh, we experience a lot of times the, uh, the pressures of life 
through our own internal pain, the experiences that we've gone through, the things that we've had to endure, the pressures, the whatever, you know, all that stuff. And so what that means is, a lot of times, what I'm experiencing on the outside, what's happening in reality, isn't what I'm experiencing on the inside. Does that make sense? So there's this one thing that's happening in this situation. Maybe it's a real normal situation, but somebody asks me a question or does something to me at work, and I experience that as, you know, why, what are they trying to do? Or why is that person trying to do that to me? Or, you know, are they trying to, you know, get ahead of me in the job? Are they trying to, what's going to happen with my future? What's going to happen with my wife, kids, and, and retirement? You know, because somebody said they were mean or whatever in the office one day, right? Is this too much? Just, so all that stuff's working on the inside, and we feel it as, as pressure. I'm afraid I'm going to miss out. And, and so all of a sudden, the questions that I have about my marriage, all of a sudden they get way blown out of proportion. You know, what I have in store for me in my future gets way blown out of proportion because i am got this worry stuff happening on the inside. And so against the backdrop of the love of God, the peace of God, the forgiveness of God, the acceptance of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, all that, then he says, consider it pure joy. When you face trials of many... If you don't, if you don't get the that God loves you part, then here and consider it pure joy whenever you go through hard stuff, that's like, wow, is that encouraging? So what do I do? Just fake it? Do I just, oh, this is hard, it hurts, I'm going to just put on a smile. And that's not what he's talking about, right? So that verse, really, verse 2, is kind of a, a hook for the, the letter that we're going to be looking at you know, during the next you know, several weeks. And the main thing I'm trying to say is this. Right out of verse, I think it was verse, uh, verse 4. The main thing today is this, that God wants us to grow to maturity by trusting Him through the trials of life. We, he wants us to grow up. And we talk about this a lot, but this is, this is what James is saying. Hey, I know you guys are going through hard times. I want you to grow up as you trust God through those hard times. It's just part of how we grow up. In God. So what does it look like to do this? He mentions four things, and I'll, there, there might be more, but I'm going to touch on four. The first one is this. It looks like joy in trials. Joy in trials. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And he's not saying, you know, that everything you go through, you're supposed to just walk around and have this face on, you know, this kind of fake, plasticky, kind of deal that's not real. That's not what he's saying. But there is a kind of joy that looks through the trial to the other side and, and as God gives us a way of seeing around it and through it. And there is a way to walk through it with joy. I might expand on this just a bit. The word there for uh, consider it pure joy, the word has, uh, in, in Greek it's kara. And there's a whole bunch of English words that come from that one root. It's interesting. You know, consider it pure joy. Well, kara, charis, is grace. Another form of, they're all from the, the root car, but another one is thanks. So you've got, you've got joy, grace, thanks, and gift. 
Korah, all from, these, all from that same root. Isn't that interesting? So really, you know, in our minds, it might help us to go consider it pure joy or consider it pure grace. You know, that's another way. That's what's coming to us is God's bringing grace to us whenever we go through the hard stuff. Consider it an opportunity for thanks when we go through the hard stuff because, let me ask it like this. How many of you guys look back at your life and go, you know, the time I grew the most was when nothing was happening and everything was going great. Man, I just grew, I trusted God like crazy. I was like a junkyard dog pressing in with faith to God, you know, holding on to him as things, everything was going right in my life. <laughs> That's what we want, isn't it? We want it just, no problems ever. You know, we don't choose them, you know, and yet God is so good. He's only good. I'm going to talk about that some next week. He's only good. He's not using evil. Okay, he can work with it, but he doesn't elevate evil by working with evil to do something in our lives. Now, I'm going to unpack that some next week. Lord willing, Nancy and I can get together for process some of that. But uh, I'm just like, whoo, stirred up about that. Okay? So uh, let me, in each one of these points, I want to tell a story about somebody in the, uh, well, almost everyone is going to be somebody in the church. But uh, we've got some people in our life group, Terry and Mayor Pack. Is Terry here today? He's not. And uh, they are going through an incredible trial, trial of their, of their lives right now. Terry needs a kidney. And he's got, you know, diabetes that goes along with that, doing the, the what do you call it, dialysis, thank you. And, uh, man, it's just been this unbelievable thing. They've needed to move. They came down to Fort Worth. They had a horse ranch. Just all of this stuff that's happened as a result of this incredible trial. And, you know, Mayor, I'm, I'm glad you're here. You know, she, she's like, oh, stop it. But, but she walks with such grace and such Thanksgiving. She's living out all of those different root words that come out of the the car, kara idea, the car idea, and that is, you know, it's a you know, there's a gift piece that she is just able to walk in grace, joy, and sometimes it's not always joy. I've seen her with joy, but then I've seen her at times when there wasn't as much joy, but there was Thanksgiving, really just flowing out of her. That how God's grace is meeting her. In fact. Uh, Paul, if I could just, Tim, get, lay hands on her. I feel like I'm just supposed to pray for them right now in the church. Let's pray for healing and uh, for a kidney to be given uh, for, for Terry. So let's agree for this in Jesus' mighty name. Father, in Jesus' name, we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we gather around our sister, around our brother who's not here, and Lord, we ask for healing in Jesus' mighty name. We ask for uh, a kidney for him in Jesus' name. Lord, put him just, I pray that he would get on the list and get up to the top of the list and be able to, that, that whole process would happen. All the resistance and hindrances that would stop this from happening. Lord, remove them and let it happen in Jesus' mighty name. Encourage their hearts. And Lord, we look forward with faith in our hearts, Lord, to see uh, just Terry raised up, healed, 100% health in Jesus' mighty name. Encourage my sister, encourage my brother. Bring your healing power. Make things right. Bring that wholeness and completeness to them. In Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen. Okay, so, Amen. Love you guys. You know, and in our, in our brokenness, you know, we hear other people's stuff, 
And then we get, you know, you can get shame on you just from hearing other people's stuff and go, man, I've been griping about the weather change all week long. You know, it's like 30 degrees and 40 degrees and, you know, just telling everybody that'll listen. And, or, you know, the, the State of the Union cut into my favorite TV show. You know, I was recording and I just, all of a sudden it's the president, you know, like, ah, uh, you know. <laughs> and the enemy... Enemy, even, on, even in all this conversation, the enemy wants to use all that stuff to, to whoop us, to get us down, to get us not trusting in God. And so this whole trusting God through the hard stuff is part of the process. Consider it joy when you face trials. The second piece, it looks like joy. It also looks like perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. There's that peace, that deep shalom, complete wholeness, not lacking anything. Okay, so uh, perseverance, a lot of times, you know, we think that the journey is like, I'm going to be like, a, you know, just an athlete. I'm going to have a cape flowing behind, you know, and just, you know, taking off and doing all this stuff. And you know what? Perseverance is, a lot of times, it's standing there. It's just... It's not being a hero. It's just standing there. It's like Ephesians 6. He says, you do all this stuff, put the armor on and all that, and then just stand. Don't go running off. You stand. And you know, there's something about believers that make it like you know, five years and ten years you know, and twenty years of pursuing God. You know, there's, it, and they're still standing there. That's the per perseverance thing that leads to maturity, that kind of endurance in our lives, um, powerful. It's not just looking through things, but it's, it's standing there. And I know that I'm growing through the hard time. Okay, so I've got a friend. His name's Clint, and uh, he's playing in the Super Bowl tonight. I'm serious. I've got a friend. <laughs> Y'all are like, what, is this some kind of preacher story or something? No, his name's Clint. We've been texting this week, and uh, he's the deep snapper for the Seattle Seahawks. And about four years ago, uh, 2010, uh, he was here a few times and we, we connected because he was anxious. Uh, I met with him some and anxious about the draft. Now, he was one of a couple of deep snappers that was up for, and talk about a specialized craft. There's not many guys in the world that get to make a living doing this. I, I was in my office. I was thinking about this story and I put my head down a couple times and then got faint when I stood up. Don't do that. <laughs> well, the you know, and you only know their names if they shoot one over the punter's head. That's it's just you don't want you don't want to know. I'll tell you about him, but you don't want to know about him on TV tonight, right? So Clint is uh, so he's he was anxious about the draft and was actually up for a possibility of being drafted, but no deep snappers got drafted that year, and uh, so that was kind of a bummer. You know, we were praying and stuff, and then. Uh, he got picked up by New Orleans, New Orleans Saints, and was in their, their camp. And then he got cut by New Orleans. You know, it took some more perseverance, right. Then at the end of the summer, in August, he got picked up on waivers by the Seattle Seahawks. Anybody remember how good Seattle Seahawks were back in 2009? <laughs> this wasn't like the big destination for advancing your career, right, in, in the NFL. And, uh, but he's faithful. They draft a few guys. He's snapping away. Draft Russell Wilson. 
And he is this strong, he's become this incredible believer who's just helped to bring and galvanize the believers on the, on the Seattle Seahawks. He did this thing called the making of a champion. And I encourage you guys to, to watch this thing. Go online. It's a 15-minute, 14-minute deal. It just interviews a bunch of the players, the coaches, and just that love Jesus. They zoom in on him for one of them. It says, I play football in order to glorify Jesus Christ. Big smile, you know, and then it shows him praying in the locker room and walking out onto the field, and he does a gospel presentation standing there on that field and just says, you can know Jesus. He wants to be the Lord and the, the, your life, you know, and you can start that journey now, get connected with a church, just and then, boom, making of a champion. I was just, whew, so proud of him, you know, and, uh, and this, James is loving this right now, by the way. James... James Albright, the best sermon ever. James Albright is from where? Seattle, right? Everybody knows that. So Seattle. And so I was telling, we've got a church plant up in Denver, and uh, I was telling Brian Brown, you know, just, hey, man, I'm getting a little leaning towards Seattle, you know, because of the, uh, you know, because Clint's on the team. James has been preaching it around here. And, and if any of you guys know Brian, he's, he was quickly fired back some snarky reply about he was going to be praying for us all and all that. But, I mean, even Peyton, you know, the, the, the other quarterback. Talk about overcoming, like, two neck surgeries and still going to. And he, he loves Jesus. He's a Christian, too, as well. So all those are just Im, important overcoming kinds of stories. But bringing it down home for us, I was going to say most. Houston might be the only guy that could still play in a Super Bowl. <laughs> but none of us are going to be playing in the Super Bowl. But we all have our Super Bowls in life, right? The things that are a big deal for us. And God wants to bring us into those places where we overcome and make it into you know, those kinds of situations because we've persevered. Paul says, be like a soldier, be like a farmer, be like an athlete who stands and perseveres and keeps going, keeps pressing on. You know, mechanics don't test scrap metal. They test cars. Because cars are used, you know, they have purpose. And, and we have a purpose in life. And we go through testings. We're not on the scrap heap. We, we're learning how to grow and to be used even better. That's number two. Number three, okay, this, this uh, overcoming place that leads us to maturity in our faith, it looks like wisdom in trials. Verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Okay, so wisdom. What do we do in the middle of a trial when we don't know what to do? You know, it's like if we always lived this way, maybe we wouldn't go through as many trials. I, I don't know. If we always lived dependent upon God. But I'm, I'm like everybody else. We're, we're all in this boat together. When things go good we have a tendency to just float a bit. And there's nothing like a little, and I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't choose this for anybody, but there's nothing like a little trial to get us asking God and seeking God and pressing into God. We are fragile. Listen to the amens on that. We are needy. Uh, this, is, this is real preaching. Um, we're fragile. We're needy. And when things go great, we forget it sometimes. 
And here's the big piece. We need wisdom a lot of times in the middle of the hard thing to see around this unmovable, what we think is a mountain and could never be climbed, gone through, moved out of the way. It's just there. It's always going to be there. It's this giant thing. When we ask God, it, like he, he helps us to see things in a new light. Pam Smith is, I saw Mike. Is Mike still? Pam, Pam Smith, that's okay. Uh, Pam Smith is, uh, has helped us with prayer, helped lead out in prayer here for years. And back in December, she had a tragic accident in a McDonald's. They were on their way up to Michigan. This happened in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City or something. And uh, they were on their way up to, uh, uh, to, to Michigan, and she went into a McDonald's, and she slipped somehow and fell forward. And when she landed on her shoulder, you know, she's not used to all that. It, it tore the muscle. It tore the rotator cuff. It, it tore the arm, it pulled it out of socket and hurt the socket itself, all that, all that injury. And she just recently had surgery. It was going to be two surgeries, but it was one surgery instead of two. Uh, and they were able to repair the muscle, repair the rotator cuff, repair the socket, get everything, you know, fixed. And, uh, but she's still looking at uh, a long rehab, a long rehab, you know, be praying for Pam. But I was thinking about wisdom in the trials, and so I called her up and I said, Pam, what's the Lord saying to you as you're thinking about your injury and all that's happening to you? And Pam said, one of the big things the Lord's been speaking to me, I feel like it's wisdom from Him, is to respond in a way that honors the Lord, no matter what I do. You know, in the middle of a trial, responding in a way that honors the Lord, that's wisdom. That's wisdom, right? She said, the Lord... I feel like the Lord's telling me to guard my heart because this is like a real setback for me and to guard my heart, keep my heart tender, okay? Um, she also said that she felt like the Lord was saying be honest with him and bring the hurts and the pain to him about, about how I'm feeling. And she also heard the word be intentional in turning to God, in worshiping God, finding God in the midst of all of this and be thankful. And she finished by telling me, she said, you know, Jamie, I feel like God's giving me an ability to see other people in their pain because of this trial that I'm going through. I have more compassion in my heart for other people because of what I'm going through. So wisdom and trials. Y'all see how that works. But ask. If you need wisdom, ask. God will give it. Okay, the last piece there is it looks like joy, perseverance, wisdom, and faith. Faith and trials. So here, verse... Uh, Verse 6, when you ask, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea, just blown and tossed by what's happening in the sea rather than standing on the solid rock of God and, and of Jesus. That man shouldn't think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded and unstable. So the key then, in just wrapping this up, is faith. The Lord wants us to trust him, to trust his promises. It's like, you know, when you're driving a car... You teach the new 16-year-olds, right? You teach them, don't look at the, just right off the front of the hood. Anybody, you know? You look up, and it's, it's hard for them. You look up, down the road like that, and then you can, you'll be okay, as opposed to down, and then you keep hitting that curb on the right-hand turn, right? Get in, get in. She wouldn't do that. It's cool. It's cool. I, I, I encourage you. You're doing great. 
Kevin Johnson, our, one of our dear friends, lives down in Waco. He talks about this issue of faith and trials. Is, is, is There's something about seeing the goodness of God in the midst of the trial, believing that God's good. And it's like buttoning the top button of your shirt. You know how when you, you ever get your shirt kind of catter, uh, you know, crooked, you do the wrong button, you get it all done, and then it's... Maybe not lately. Maybe when you're doing the kids. I don't know. But if you do the top one, then you're going to be good. God is good. My faith is in the fact that God is good. Top button allows me to get the shirt on right. Okay? That's how that, that's how that process works. You know, and depending on what's going on in our lives, how many people we're interacting with, not only do we need faith for ourselves in the midst of trial, we need faith for others. I mean, just this week alone, let me just run you through a few little scenarios I've been involved in. I was helping uh, a pastor, another pastor of a church that I helped give some input to, helping this guy uh, who was about to have to preach a funeral of a couple that had miscarried deep into the pregnancy. You know, and he didn't, didn't know what to do. You know, and just encouraging him about faith and believing. Working with some, just some key marriage stuff. You know, helping people with their marriage. A, a difficult illness. An injury. Listened as someone just you know, processed some deep depression that some friends were going through and, and what, was, what, what that whole thing was about. Um, try, helping somebody try to find God's purpose for their lives. And, and I even had someone who, uh, their sister, they just had found out a couple of days before that they had, had a terrible, have a terrible cancer in their body, their sister. And so all of that, that's one week of, of trials. I can't stand up under all of that myself without God's life flowing in it. And that's not even my own stuff. You know, my own issues. You know, right? And so God wants us to be, it's not just about me, and this isn't just about me, it's about, man, it's about us being whole and healthy as a community of people. We need each other. We, we do. And, and what, what does faith look like in each one of those places? And here's a picture that I just want us to maybe... Uh, just have in our, in our minds. Imagine that I'm in a house here. Well, house, it's nice, whatever. And, and there's turmoil in my house. I mean, it's just inwardly, I'm a wreck. I, there's turmoil going on. I'm all just um, anxious. But if I look out the window to see the God of peace in his life, the, the beauty of Jesus and how he is making things right. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at Jesus. Look into the eyes of the Father. And they're looking at each other. And I've been brought into that relationship. And they're absolutely at peace with one another. And that peace starts flowing into my crazy, anxious, you know, out of order house. And disorder becomes order in my inner life. Okay? Does that make sense? You look, you look to God. It's like looking through the window. That's what faith is. It's looking to God. Looking to him to see what he's wanting to do. The challenge of faith, man, is really not to be a wave. It's, it's putting my faith in God who helps me stand firm on the rock of Jesus and then I'm not just getting buffeted around by every little thing that happens and, you know, this deal didn't go through in business and, you know, I'm worried about this thing over here with my kids and then I just, I'm just rocked around rather than standing on the rock of Jesus. Um, you know, it's like I can do this or I can just be a follower and follow whatever's being said to me, you know, and it's a recipe for disaster. It really is. Um, okay, for this last one, 
Uh, I don't see Laura today, but I'm going to just uh, focus in here a little story about Dennis and Laura Manti. Uh, Dennis and Laura were here for years, it, years ago, and then they were gone for a season. And during that season, while they were gone, Laura uh, uh, got a brain tumor, cancer, and had to have brain surgery, you know, surgery for that cancer and everything. And I mean, they made it through it, but it was a difficult, hard, breaking time that took them both to a new place in faith. In fact, when Dennis Manti came back, you know, and Dennis loved the Lord before, but Dennis, when he came back, his first time in our life group, just listened to him talk about Jesus. He couldn't do it without tears flowing down his, his face. Just something happened. No, I don't, I don't, it's good, you know, and, and yet that was horrible. It was hard. And yet trusting God through the middle of all of that stuff and, you know, he's changed, she's changed, she's here, we're thankful to God, you know. And you know, you know what happens? Uh, this is one of the words I would use for Dennis. Just is there's a different kind of weight about you because you've been through that stuff. You know, you've walked that road of faith out. There's weight. I don't mean like you've gained weight, but you in the spirit. You know, just and uh, and so it's like a, it was like a time machine in a way because he was one way, and then God had done this maturing, completing work, you know, it was good. Um, we became Facebook friends with some old friends from our past, the, us and the Knights, and I hadn't seen them in 24 years. So Facebook in that way is kind of like a time machine. And uh, Mike and Jennifer, Mike hadn't changed at all, Jennifer hadn't really changed, I mean, just so they're like, whoa, that's weird, just a little gray on the sides. And, but they, I know they had trials. They almost lost their first child, whom we've never seen. You know, almost, you know, just that whole just rocky road, you know, and, and, uh, and everybody's following God. You know, all these years later, another uh, friends of ours, I saw a bunch of their pictures as well. I played basketball with him in high school. He was just starting to follow the Lord when we were leaving. You know, his name's Kerry. And uh, just really kind of getting turned on. And there's all these pictures of Mike and Carrie up on the stage at this large church doing skits, and they're, they're goofy guys, you know, and, and doing drama skits and all that kind of stuff, just plugged in, and yet in this time machine, able to see, man, God's been good in their lives in the midst of the trials. Okay, so let me wrap this up. You know, uh, maturity is where we're going, and we face trials in order to get to maturity. And I just, in case you're not hearing me say this, I want to say it again. I wouldn't choose trials for you, for any of you guys. I wouldn't choose trials for me. I don't like them. You say, well, that doesn't sound spiritual. I, okay, whatever. I, I, I don't like going through hard stuff. And yet God meets me in the middle, and I wouldn't choose it. My daughter's sitting here, and uh, somewhere along the line in middle school or something, high school, started realizing, hey, you know what? She's kind of tall, she's really fast, and she can get to the hoop with the ball. And thought, man, she might could pay her way through college. <laughs> Let's pursue this thing a little bit, you know? And, uh, and, you know, things took off, and she was able to get a scholarship, you know? But what happened in college athletics, I, it broke my heart. I would, as a dad, I would, you know, I helped her get there, encouraged her. You know, behind every girl basketball player, there's a, 
kind of quasi, you know, there's a, there's a dad back in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's just, I just don't know it's in their nature to just, give me the rock, you know, post up. Uh. But I mean, I, that junior year, I was getting off the phone, you know, and I'm in tears. She's been in tears, you know, just hanging. Just, it was rugged, rugged, rugged. And I'd get off and I'd say, Kim, I, I can't believe I, I felt like I, I did this to her. You know, I, I would not have chosen that kind of pain. What a commercial for college athletics, right? <laughs> it's, it's rugged, man. But did God meet us? Did God meet her? I mean, it's like if she could do that kind of physical, emotional, that, that kind of abuse, all that stuff, and come out the other side of that, it's like what a touchstone for saying I can make it through anything. you know. And we need those kinds of experiences. We don't choose them, but God, God works with us through that. And I know that there are stories. I'm just telling some of the stories that are in my little circle. And there's stories all over the room. We could all just tell what God has done to bring salvation into our lives. To bring His peace, His life, His love, His grace. And there will be grace for the pressures. Trials, you know, they can shut us down and put us in a ditch. Or they can be places where we take a step up into the next part of God's destiny for our lives. You know, and all around this room, we've already prayed some about trials, but I want us to do it again, you know, because this trial thing is like, it can be the on-ramp to getting onto the highway of all that God is wanting to do in your life. You know, just if, if you'll just say, I'm going to find you, God. I'm going to search for you. He's, he's wooing. It's not like he's not saying, come on. He's saying that. So stand up. Stand up with me. And... Uh, Rather than it just being a hard thing, let's let that hard thing be the thing that presses you closer to God. I remember years ago reading about Hudson Taylor, and he said, no matter how bad the pressure in my life gets, I don't want it to be something between me and God. I want the pressure to press me closer into the heart of God, into the Father's heart. And so, you know, that's what we want to you know, see happen here. And it takes, it takes a tribe, it takes a village, it takes community, it takes the church to get there. So let's just take a few moments here and respond to the Lord. Again, we want to help you. You know, if you're going through a trial and you, you need some encouragement, you know, encouragement to see how God might want to be, bring joy or His wisdom or perseverance or faith in the middle of this thing, then get some prayer. Get some prayer. And part of it may be, I, again, want to just recommit to getting on the journey, taking the on-ramp in the middle of my trial and walking with Jesus. There's nothing like it. It is the best life. Whatever your need is, we're going to just play a song here and uh, just come and get prayer. Start the journey with Jesus. Re-up on the journey with Jesus. Get help in the midst of the trial. Those are some great things to come and get prayer for. Father, meet us today in Jesus' name. In the midst of it, meet us, Lord. You can see testimonies of your grace and goodness all around this room. Go into the next level, Lord, in Jesus' name.